Welcome to the final episode of our special series on diversity, equity, and inclusion. On this episode, we'll meet Truist Chief Human Resource Officer Kim Moore-Wright. During her time in her role, Kim has led the organization through significant change. The historic merger of equals between BB&T and SunTrust, the pandemic, and during a time of social unrest. Kim will be chatting with Truist DEI segment lead Oscar Santos about her experiences as an African-American female senior executive. She'll also be sharing strategies to empower inclusive leadership. Well, hello to everyone and welcome to this episode of Leadership Amplitude. My name is Oscar Santos and I serve as a diversity, equity and inclusion leader here at Truist. I am so delighted, excited and, and looking forward to introduce our guest speaker for today's episode. Chief Human Resources Officer and member of Truist Executive Leadership Team, Kim Moore-Wright. Kim, welcome. Such a gift to have you join us. Thank you. Glad to be here. So, Kim, let's dive right in. Since becoming Truist Chief Human Resources Officer, so much has happened uh, and so much has changed. I cannot imagine how much you have learned and grown from being in the role that you are and seeing the world adapt, especially here at Truist. So since, as you know, the focus of this podcast is around the topic of diversity, equity, and inclusion, I want to ask you, what's been the most eye-opening learning experience from that lens of D&I that you have had during this year? Yes, Oscar, um, you're exactly right. I mean, I don't know that I could have picked a more interesting time um, to move in this role. You're um, in the middle of a merger. You... Put it, and then you layer a pandemic on top of it in the midst of a lot of social unrest um, that has occurred in our country. So it has been a very interesting and dynamic time. You know, I think as an African-American woman, I'm keenly aware of the impacts of um, systemic racism and equities and justices around the world and can relate to a lot of the stories that teammates have shared um, in the days of understanding that we've had and just conversations with teammates. And that's, you know, I can relate whether it's happened to me personally, whether I've seen, you know, family members experience some of those things, friends, et cetera. The stories that I've heard, it's unfortunate to say, aren't necessarily shocking because these are things that I've known um, have existed. The events of 2020 aren't necessarily new to people of color. I just think we're in an era where now there's proof points, there's video, there's live action of these things happening. Um, But it's been a part of our lives and it's been a part of the lives of generations of people um, before us. I think what's been interesting and eye-opening, I think kind of two things for me. One, I'm glad to say that we've created within Truist an environment where the discussion can take place. I think even as much as, you know, two years ago, we probably wouldn't have had such a candid conversation or candid conversations about race, about um, inequity, about injustice. Um, That would have been not only uncomfortable, but just something that we may have treaded on very lightly. So the fact that we're having very direct, very open, honest conversations on both sides, people that have experienced it, 
are pretty raw and direct around what they've experienced. And people that are trying to understand are, are, are owning up to the fact that I didn't understand, I didn't know. I think there's a part of me that has been a little amazed that how could you not know um, for those that have said they've not known. And there's, and you have to resist the temptation to be a little bit, to, to, to not become jaded by that and not to take the attitude of frustration, anger, because somebody didn't know, really kind of turn that into, well, at least now we're having the conversation. You're telling me that you are interested in understanding and not only understanding, but being part of the solution. And I'd say that the second big thing that's been great to see is people not only wanting to be part of the solution, because it's one thing to say, I'd like to understand and I'd like to help, but really putting that sentiment and those words into action and how do we create better processes? How do I help facilitate that? not only within my work world, but within my personal world, um, impacting and influencing those people that are closest to me, friends and family, to make life different and to make, you know, society different. But just really seeing allies stepping up and stepping out and being much more visible is something that has been a positive out of an element and just a feeling that's not always been very positive this year. So that's been, um, you know, something great to see. And even when you look at peaceful protests, and I'm very careful to, to highlight peaceful protests, it's not just people of color that you're seeing at the front of those lines. Um, it's people of all colors that you're seeing that are a very visible part of that. So that's been, that's been positive. Thank you so much for that, Kim. I think it's really interesting how you brought in the word courage, which it's so foundational to to this work uh, and to the the equity and the inclusion side. And I really appreciated how you also said the learning that others have had to have because from their lens, they were not seeing the world the way that others had been seeing it. So um, uh, along the lines, you know, you mentioned something uh, a minute ago, and I wanted to ask you, because we're talking about uh, experiences and lenses and backgrounds, uh, as a black senior leader executive, what can you share with our leaders that will help them better understand the impact of intersectionality, which, as you know, is that interconnection of all the traits and characteristics that, that you bring to Truist? And so understanding that from the experience of many of their employees, uh, what can you share with us along those lines? I think um, in a fundamental way, just understanding that it exists. Um, recognition of the fact that people do not just fit into one box. You know, I am an African-American woman, so don't just put me in the woman box, so to speak. And it's not just the um, the the African-American box or person of color box that I'm fitting into as well. Understanding that there are nuances within that intersection and within those nuances, there are pressures and thoughts and feelings that are very unique to being a woman of color, an African-American woman that a, that a white woman would not experience and, and wouldn't necessarily know. 
Um, so, so thinking that it's the same and what applies to one woman applies to all isn't necessarily the route to go, I think is, and, and so just opening your eyes to understanding the fact that that inter intersectionality does exist. And what I would offer is it's almost taking what we talked about in the first question around just the lens of diversity, equity, and inclusion and stepping back and understanding that you know, that an experience of someone um, coming from a different race or ethnic group could be different, but then taking it a step further and looking at the dimensions that exist when you look at the intersectionality um, of, of some of those groups as well, um, I think is, is important. And listening and, and seeking to understand what that experience is like, what that means, and what are things that you can do to support those teammates in that space um, so that they can continue to learn and grow and feel as if they are in an environment that is inclusive and not shy away from having those conversations. I think sometimes when people are coming from perceived areas that are that are not as common there's a barrier almost to having a discussion and and finding points of common ground they're there they exist and so not resisting the temptation to have that 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 discussion but recognizing the difference and where you can help to be a supportive leader manager teammate to those individuals and in, in meeting them where they are and where their needs are Kim, that's a great perspective, and specifically when you talked about the aspect of not making something fit into one box, right? In the previous episode, we talked about the simple definition of, of bias was judgment without question. And I think mm -hmm. that you bring that really interesting point on intersectionality, which is because of these many traits and characteristics that may be experienced by the individual, we need to seek that understanding. We need to listen with intention, and then we need to create uh, that environment that would allow them to feel that belonging. And therefore, uh, everything that you said was so well connected to what I know we are uh, hoping to accomplish here at Truist. So thank you for that. So Kim, I have a little exercise for you now, uh, and it's a, it's a fill in the blank exercise. Um, oh boy. <laughs> I, wanted to, I, I, want, I want for you to uh, think about it again from the many different aspects that we have been talking about and beyond. So here it goes. If leaders miss the opportunity to blank, they will not achieve a high level of, of inclusion in their organizations. I would say, if leaders miss the opportunity to listen, they will not achieve a high level of inclusion in their organizations. There are times when leaders, the best thing that they can do is take a seat and open their ears and, and resist the temptation to feel like they have to have all the answers, that they have all the answers and are the ones that are solely responsible for coming up with the appropriate solutions. Listen to the people that are that are impacted. Listen to teammates to understand what those needs are and allow them to be part of the solution and part of the process for coming up with what the appropriate solutions are to create an inclusive environment. How can you know <laughs> um, mm -hmm. and, and even begin 
to speak for or or totally purport to know what the needs of everyone within your organization may be if you've not walked in the shoes of some of those individuals. Um, so taking a seat and listening and offering teammates a, an opportunity to, to be part of the solution is what has to happen in order to achieve the level of inclusion that is needed within organizations. Not doing that, you're never going to get there. I absolutely love that piece on, on listening, and I I really appreciated how you took that a step further, Kim, when you talked about essentially listening but in a vulnerable way, not listening with uh, the the defense kind of mechanism wanting to jump in, right, because I think that there's so many filters that can happen as we are listening to teammates uh, share and express uh, what are their hindrances, challenges, et cetera. So I really appreciated how you connected that word listen to the outcomes, the fantastic outcomes that you can have around inclusion. So thank you so much for that. So Kim, uh, I want to leave our leaders, you know, you mentioned uh, in the first question that we asked, uh, you know, words into action. And I want to ensure that we can leave our leaders with action and what can happen from this session that they're listening to right now into something that as soon as they adjourn and then finish listening to this conversation, they can go into action. So uh, because of, I know you have shared with us how much you have learned and how much you have grown during this last year. Uh, what can you share with leaders and advocates that are listening to this conversation in order for them to increase representation of ethnically diverse senior influencers in their organization? I think a couple of things. I think, um, you know, I've, I've, I've talked about listen a lot and, and I just can't underscore how important that is. But giving people a venue to be heard and allowing uh, their voices to be validated, I think, is one thing. And that can look like inviting diverse teammates to meetings that may not necessarily align to their roles so that you have their perspective on a certain topic so that you have, and that increases that diversity of thought, which is so necessary in order to have better outcomes. Sponsorship, mentorship are things that we talk about a lot uh, that, will, that will help with not only developing the talent, but promoting the talent. I think we get really caught up sometimes or organizations get really caught up in, I've got to make sure that this talent is developed. That's mentorship. But the other piece of that is the sponsorship and making sure that they are um, being considered, not only considered for positions, but actually are being chosen for positions within senior leadership as well. So it's not just the mentorship part, it's the sponsorship of those individuals as well. Encouraging people um, to use their influence for those outcomes. So looking at allies to help with using their influence for more positive outcomes. Ensuring that you have processes that engender diversity and inclusion as opposed to create obstacles for that. So really ensuring that you are looking at your own internal processes and that they are helping to yield the outcomes that create a more inclusive environment. 
but also continuing to evaluate. Um, so it's almost, you kind of think about that as a feedback loop. You're setting up better processes. You have the mentorship, the sponsorship. You're inviting people to be a part of the conversation for diversity of thought. You may even establish programs to help operationalizing some of this, but continuing to look and evaluate to make sure that the progress that you're hoping to see is actually happening. Um, it's not enough just to put these things into place without evaluation, without consistent evaluation, and without consistently looking for feedback as well. So I almost look at it as a circle um, that you have. And as you set these things up, you're putting them into place, you're getting feedback, um, you're looking at outcomes, you're tweaking, and then you're continuing to do even more. So those are things that you can do to help with increasing that representation of senior leaders, diverse senior leaders within the organization. Wow, Kim, what a gift you have given uh, all of our listeners from your experience, your insights. There's been so many things that I heard in your response related to understanding the difference between mentorship and sponsorship. Also talking about how do we look at processes to make sure that we are truly applying, you know, the structural inclusion that we want to attain and one that was really eye-opening to me as I was listening to you is making sure that if we have the resources internally or in our network to connect with individuals that are different from us, whether it's race, whether it's gender, whether it's sexual orientation, how can you expand that knowledge of awareness just so that you can better position those in your organization for taking more senior responsibilities in, in, in your organization. So that was really insightful. So thank you for that, Kim. Well, Kim, I cannot tell you how much I have learned from listening to your insights. I'm sure our listeners have also benefited from understanding how you become intentional you become deliberate about creating a place of inclusion where you want everyone to feel like they belong, uh, where you want everyone to feel that they have a voice, and know that they're part of something bigger, something that keeps us inspiring and build better lives and communities. So thank you for your willingness, Kim, to share your gifts with us. I appreciate all of your insights, and I hope our listeners have enjoyed this conversation as much as I have. So thank you very much for your time, Kim. You are quite welcome, Oscar. And um, one last thing that I would just say before we go is um, I'm very encouraged by the, the energy and the excitement and the effort that is going into making change today and, and right now at this time. I would just remind everyone that this is a journey and it will not be solved in a nice six-month time frame. And we all have to be committed to this journey from here on out. And long after it is no longer front page news, long after it's not a hashtag, we have to stay committed in order for real change to occur. So I just think that's important. Um, and if you want to use the running an analogy, it is definitely a marathon and not a sprint. And we all have to be committed to, to being on that marathon. So thank you. For, for allowing me to be part of the discussion. Thank you, Kim.
This concludes our series on diversity, equity, and inclusion. But the fight for social justice is not over. Each and every one of us plays a role in sustaining a culture of belonging within the teams we work in and the communities that we serve. In this environment where so much is at stake, so much more than just the bottom line, we are committed to providing you with ways to lead more inclusively and to help you build confidence to lead in those unprecedented times. Coming up on our next series, Creating a Culture of Belonging, we'll be joined by Eileen Hogan and Dr. Chris Smith. We'll also be meeting Jasmine Edmonds, the new host of the Self-Care for Leaders and Self-Care for Healers podcast by Truist Leadership Institute. For show notes or for additional information, please visit us at truistleadershipinstitute.com. The team that developed this episode includes senior producer Christina Holdsworth, along with producers Oscar Santos and Charlene McNeil. Editing and engineering by Neil Middlemas. Special thanks to Dr. Amelia Jansel and Jasmine Edmonds. Leadership Amplitude is a podcast production of Truist Leadership Institute. All rights reserved.